0: Hello there and welcome back to another episode of a wee bit of everything with your hosts Lewis Cleland and Clark Burrow. This week again we're delighted to welcome another very special guest onto the show and as always if you see it on Instagram at a wee bit of everything podcast or Twitter at Burrow underscore mister or Cleland Lewis 94 we'd be awfully grateful if you could give us a wee like or a retweet helping us to get the podcast out there so that others can listen to this content as well. Mr Burrow Who have we got joining us this evening on A Wee Bit of Everything? Well, today, Lewis, Drew Povey joins A Wee Bit of Everything. Drew
1: Povey Consultancy Limited is an influential leadership authority with a unique multi-sector viewpoint on creating innovative and sustainable change. He has over 20 years experience working in elite level sport and also in education. Drew's purpose is to develop people and inspire excellence. Which I'm sure we'll hear more about shortly. His work in education was as a head teacher at Harrop Fold High School in Salford, and that's in Manchester. And a re recommendation for you: Drew also appeared in the Educating Greater Manchester series, which we would recommend that you watch, and Lewis recommended me to watch it. Um, which is why I'm recommending you all to watch it. So
0: <laughs> it was fantastic. Was it? it was an absolute great. Um, it was a great bit of viewing, wasn't it? A lot of learning from it as well. Though I thought I was taking me bits. I was like, oh, just thinking about ways that you can interact with the the pupils. And um, it was fantastic. It was a great. It was a great mm-hmm. show. It's also kind of it's um, inspired me to go and watch the rest of them. So I think I'm thinking, we're currently watching the educating the the East End. So there's a few of them educating Yorkshire and um, Cardiff and that as well. But no, they're they're really good. Um, I think you
1: the, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Luce, When you spoke about interacting, how they interact. Says mm-hmm. Drew says his purpose is on his websites to develop people. And I think that interaction really goes a yeah. long way. I was watching how he was working with the people and trying to improve them. Mm-hmm. So, so the fantastic stuff. So we'll we'll get him on the show then. Why don't we?
0: Looking forward to it.
1: Right, Drew. Brilliant to have you on. How's things? How's your day been?
2: Clark, great to be here. Lewis, nice to meet you both. Um, a, a really good day. Um, it's it's cold in Warrington uh, at the moment, and it's a it's a bit depressing actually. After all, after all the sunshine that we've had, but a busy day, but a good one. Thanks. What about you, too? Yeah, all it's
1: good. been alright, it's been all good here. We're off this week in the, for Easter holidays, so we're making the most of that. That's not much to do, I suppose. But I to say, you
2: can't really go anywhere,
0: can you, at the moment? Yeah, um, I went out. I went out on my bike today with my dog, and she pulled me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. No, that was me. I just went out. That was the, that was the most fun I had today.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I managed to book a holiday uh, to Ibiza, so I'm I'm, I'm climbing out the hope I can go to Ibiza in July. Oh, in July. Well, yeah, it's probably a bit ambitious, but I'm, I'm, I'm an ambitious guy, Drew, so I like that. To... Well,
2: listen, you, you need to risk it sometimes, don't you? have a bit That's of up. courage, so I, I like it. And we, we can always live in hope, can't we? Even it. <laughs> it might look a bit tricky over the next few yeah. weeks.
1: Yeah, ho- hopefully there's still three months to go. But um, So, welcome to a wee bit of everything then, Drew. Um, We'd like to hear uh, tonight on your experience in leadership, uh, working in schools and uh, with elite sports teams as well and across other sectors as well. But just before we get into the leadership side of things, could you give us and the listeners a little background information uh, on your career to date?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, I'll try and keep this short because these can be notoriously boring. Um, But yeah, my career, I've been really fortunate, I feel really blessed to have worked with Uh, Some incredible leaders and some incredible organizations across lots of different sectors. Um, You know, it's it's really fascinating for me as a bit of a leadership geek to be able to work with great leaders in education and see where they're getting it right and and seeing the great stuff they do and working with the police, you know, um, some great leaders in the police, NHS, business, of course, uh, leaders there and in sport too. Um, And my career started off in elite sport. Um, I got into coaching really early uh, in the sport of rugby league, which if you don't live on the M62 corridor in the Northwest into York, you probably don't know what that is, but it's a, it's a fantastic sport. Um, and then went into other sports and um, into rugby union and did some work in football as well and a little bit in athletics. And that was great experience. Whilst I was learning to teach as well, I was then going into education and what I noticed is what a sports coach does is the same as what a, school teachers doing in a class with the kids. You know, it's the same idea. It's getting people to believe bigger and better, challenging people, supporting people, painting pictures of the future with visions, you know, some really exciting stuff. But I saw these great parallels. And Mm -hmm. then by working with the police and the NHS, you know, that was uh, really exciting. And I was learning different things and reading lots on the topic. And then eventually became a head teacher, um, which was, you know, a job I didn't particularly was driven to be a head teacher but it was a privilege to run the school that I did Um, and at that time I was still working in the other sectors which was about income generation for the school and just going on this fantastic learning journey and did a bit of tv within that um, which was good fun and it was great to showcase you know the incredible kids in our schools which I think too often kids are are given uh, the criticism and the snowflake generation and all this kind of stuff and i you know really disagree with that and think the vast majority of our kids are fantastic and and strong and adaptive and you know working with kids in in that setting was great but seeing the other sectors as well um, so it's been it's been a very varied career um, lots of great times you know I've been really proud and experienced you know great great events and I've had some tough times as well uh, uh you know to to boot with that which have been pretty well documented and I'd say, pretty much
1: everything in between. So that's probably a, a bit of a snapshot into uh, a, a rather strange working life, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. Thanks for sharing that. I think just touching on the, the thing about the students here. I've been so impressed with the students at our school and how they've shown resilience and dis- self-discipline during this period of uh, uncertainty. It's been absolutely amazing to see how you know how they've reacted to, to it in our school, for sure. Yeah, well. I mean, I, you
2: know, we... I mean, I I can rattle on about this for a long time, but we live in a negative world, don't we? You know, Mm. we're surrounded by negatives. Turn on the news. I've I've said this a few times, but you know the day the vaccine was rolled out, I was gutted. I actually watched the news because I won't watch it these days unless I really need to, unless there's a major announcement coming because it's all just so negative. And I'm like, yeah, I understand the negative things happening in the world. I'm not wanting to do an ostrich routine, but what about all the good stuff? And on the day the vaccine was rolled out, I was just gutted, because the whole of the news, it was like a 10 minute news uh, segment, and like nine and a half minutes was just, you know, tragedy, chaos, crisis. And then right at the end they went, Oh, by the way, we just started this world changing vaccine that's been rolled out today. I was like, What? Well, lead with that? That's good. Yeah. News. And I just don't think we balance it out. Stephen Pinker's written a lot on this and he said the news today is so much more negative than it was ten years ago. And I'm like, I just wish we could get the good stuff out there. So that's a that's a world thing. And we as human beings are hardwired to see negatives. It's yeah. We feed, do you think we
0: feed off it almost?
2: We do feed off it and, and it's the thing that we notice, you know, we're hardwired to do it because it's what's kept us alive and you know, we are looking mm. around and looking at the stimulus around us and our surroundings for the negative thing to come and take us out. And I always use this example, you know, when you're having some feedback from somebody and they can say to you, this is amazing, this is fantastic, you nailed it over here, this was brilliant, oh my goodness, that was the best example I've seen of that ever. But you're waiting for one word. Mm. that word is but but but. <laughs> but is the great eraser of life because everything that's said before that disappears and if they just give you one thing we focus on that mm. so i get that i get that we, we, we we're we hardwired for it. it's an evolutionary component i get it that doesn't mean we have to put it on the tv and it doesn't mean we should apply it to our young people in our schools because for every young person that is difficult there will be hundreds that are fantastic. And we were part of a a social experiment at Harrod with a, a brilliant, brilliant organization called Social Sense that are based out of Manchester. And we basically were sick and tired of the young people in the area being potentially being called the hoodie culture and the gang culture and the sex, drugs, rock and roll in the park at the weekend. And we knew our kids, it was a very small minority majority were great so we set up this kind of reverse psychology and marketing and basically we surveyed the kids and in year nine you know so these are like 13 14 year olds we said how many kids smoked and nine out of ten kids didn't smoke at harrick fold nine out of ten kids and we created these statistics and we put it up round because we were passionate to say no 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 the vast majority of our young people are great and they have been adaptive clark and they have got back in And they've been an example. They've adapted better than I have to this, Mm. you know, having to do um, online working. I've got three boys. One's at college, one's at secondary school, one's at junior school, and all of them adapted to online learning like that. They just Mm. did it and they got much better than me. So give the kids a break. Let's celebrate our kids. And that was the reason why we did the TV series because kids need celebrating and people need to remember how fantastic they are. Yeah, definitely. That's
0: that's what I was saying to my class. I was back before the holidays there for a couple of weeks, and that's what I was saying to some of them. Like, trying not to give them a hard time if they weren't engaging on the online learning and stuff like that. I was like, listen, see if I was in <clears throat> S3, or what I think that'd be year 10 down in England. Um, I don't know what I would have been like if I just get thrown into lockdown and had to adapt to online learning. I think my Xbox would have been much more appealing, or going out with my friends. Like, you'd be rubbing your hands at the thought of... Not having to go into school for three months. Well, that's that would have been my mindset if I if I was that young when that happened to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't believe how the kids have gone back. And you know, I'm still in contact with lots of schools, and schools have done an amazing job getting the kids back in. There's one school that had like bunting up and balloons in the playground, yeah. like, welcome back, great to see you. But uh, the kids just just went back into school again. The vast majority. Now, I, I remember, I don't know if this was the same for you, it might have just been a Druism, I suppose, but after a summer holiday, I'd go back and I couldn't write. I was like, I can't, oh, I've forgotten how to write. Whereas they've had the equivalent of like back-to-back summer holidays. Mm-hmm. And then God's gone back in and just adjusted. So like, you know I'm going to keep banging the drum on this. Um, I, I think the schools have done a great job. I really do. I think the school leaders have done a great job. I think teachers have been, you know, by and large, Incredible, and, you know. Obviously, you're gonna always have, you know, the odd police officer doesn't get it right, or the odd nurse, or the odd doctor, or the odd sports coach, or the odd teacher. But, by and large, I think teachers have done a great job, and let's just celebrate our kids who've mm-hmm. adapted incredibly well.
1: Yeah, I think I think the skills that they've developed through this time will be invaluable for them in terms of that independent learning as well. I think what what they've learned from this lockdown will be just as important as anything else I'll teach them in, in any lesson. So.
2: I agree. Um, You know, they've had to self-manage a lot. And, you know, I I know we got slightly hammered during the T V show because we let them have mobile phones in in schools, but our philosophy on that was, well, are they going to use a mobile phone to help them work and run their life in the future? Yeah, the answer was yes, of course they are. So we thought our philosophy was, and it's not everybody's cup of tea, I get it, but we was like they need to learn how to use it in school and use it them in the right way. But kids have had to use mobile technology. I mean, it took me ages to get Teams and Zoom. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what's this? All right. So you can now see, oh, you can see me. Oh, can you hear me? On mute. <laughs> on mute. You know, all the things that we're doing. Not with my lads. Even, even, even the nine-year-olds just like, what's well, so up with your Dad? Bang, I'm in the I'm in the lesson. What's yeah. up with you? No, oh, my camera's off. What's up with you? Like they just got it and they were very intuitive. So yeah, I think the learning that'll come from it mm-hmm. is great. But I also think it it tells us a lot about what we've got in our education
1: system as well Mm -hmm. yeah so moving on to kind of school leadership then or even more broadly than that leadership arguably it's it's pretty straightforward if it's done well um, by setting example and what would you suggest are the the major pitfalls of leadership within the education setting
2: yeah it's a it's a funny thing I might talk mainly about leadership I, I love the topic and it's one of those topics that's really simple like it is just simple leadership, but it's not easy to do. So it's one of those slightly irritating things that, well, that's what it is. So I just need to go and do that. Ah, but doing it is, is, is quite difficult. And there's loads of pitfalls. I think we forget very often what leadership is. And it's about creating influence. You know, it's about, it's about people. It's a, it's a people thing. It's a, it's a vision thing. It's an influential thing. So we've got to understand what that is. And, of course, the starting point for all leadership Is how well we lead ourselves and we forget that we've we've got to lead ourselves really well and that's hard that's a hard thing to make sure we're doing it right too and but in terms of kind of wider leadership because I think it's about you know being self-aware and being able to manage yourself so I think that's a key part of it I'd always say that's the starting point I'd say the next bit is where I see leaders get it wrong or where I see leaders become lost, and I think all leaders become lost for hopefully a short period of time, but we can all lose our way slightly. And I think it happens when you forget why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I know that can sound a bit pithy, and you go, oh, you're going to go down the Simon Cynic route of start with why, and that, but I, it, I think it's a really powerful message to remember. You know, why am I doing this? Because you're going to have good days. Remember your why, during your good days. Don't fall in love with yourself. It's not about you, about other people. Okay, so you got into this, and this is the reason why. And I think, you know, when you have your bad days, that why, again, is crucial. Yeah. You know, bad day, I'm doubting myself. Have I really got this? Imposter syndrome, the little voice in the back of your head. When those times come, go back to your why, and go, right, why did I agree to do this? And I think education's an interesting one, you know, like, like a number of the other things, particularly education. You know, we didn't come into this job to earn money, you know. I mean, you need to earn money, but you don't come in to make stacks of money. And if you did, you've probably made a wrong turn somewhere. It's
1: <laughs> probably you saying to
2: go. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, you're probably going. Wrap your queue hang your boots up, go and do something else. But yeah, we don't get it. So we don't come in. So why did we come into education? What was that kind of burning desire? What was the point behind it? And that will get you through the bad times. It'll get you through the good times. And some of the other things I think that if we don't have our why, we can lose our focus. You know, we can almost sometimes get distracted by things when there's new legislation coming in or there's pressures for X, Y and Z coming that you feel that you've got to kind of go into that important urgent box. No, no, no. Remember what you're here to do and that will link to the why. And I think the third thing I'd say is, you know, if you've got the why and you've got the focus, I do think you can maintain passion over years. You know, some people mm-hmm. go, Oh, you've got kind of 10 years in teaching, you'll be burned out, you're going to something else. Well, I don't think that's the case, actually. And I understand for some people it might be, but you know, the passion for why you do it is linked to that why, that core purpose. And don't ever forget that because it's that thing that will get you through. And- yeah, I, th-
1: I think a challenge for that as well is also listen to the noise on the outside, like those self defeating belief, belief systems. If you've got that passion, you're the one leading the way. I can imagine it must be quite, quite tricky having those critics around, around about you trying to say that you'll be burnt out after 10 years.
2: Yeah, and it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, again, you've got the negativity. around. Right? If you're going to go on social media and find the teachers who are whinging about the profession and whinging about, you know, you're going to get pulled down by that. As the famous saying goes, we walk at the pace of the five people that we spend most of our time with. And that comes from a guy called Jim Rohn. And he's made very famous. That's a slight paraphrasing, I think, of his exact words. Mm -hmm. But basically what he's saying, who you hang around with, your environment, is going to create you. So if you're hanging around with people who are not happy, you know, there's always a bit of a corner of a staff room somewhere where people can be a bit negative. Hopefully not all the time, but at times. Don't put yourself there. Like, I don't watch the news for that exact reason because I can pick up the majority of it. I don't want, you know, this negative stuff in my ears and you know my eyes seeing it I don't want that I'd rather focus on the things that are important to me remember why I'm doing the stuff I'm doing now for example and therefore those two things I think will will, will keep me having the momentum and the passion for why I bothered doing this in the first place.
1: Right Brian thanks for sharing those uh, three kind of main pitfalls there I think the, the thing I took from that there is remember why you got into it which is to have a positive difference in the lives of of the young people uh, for the education setting and um, I think you spoke a bit about pressure there as well as a leader would you say an education is different from elite sport like what's your experience across the different sectors in terms of pressure like in terms of winning in sports and then obviously delivering results
2: in your school Um, very similar
1: is it?
2: yeah I'm not I'm not going in any sector where the person at the top's going oh it's a breeze don't really matter what we get you know, I think people have a view that schools, it's, it's all, we live in a results world. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, 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 we do. If you're, in, if you're in a school, it's, you know, inspections or exam results. That's the main driving result. In sport, it's winning, win-loss ratios or cups, trophies, league positions. In the mm-hmm. police, it's crime stats. In the NHS, it's waiting lists or mortality rates. In business, it's cash or ROI, return on investment, ROI, return on equity. Whatever, everybody lives in a results world, and the pressure's big. Mm-hmm. And it's big. And I think there's certain elements that are more in the spotlight than other, others. But again, it depends whether you choose to read them. And I was really interested in Gareth Southgate, who's a, who's a fantastic leader, was talking the other day about potentially not looking at social media. When they're in camp, because you know, what's that going to do for them? With the negativity currently in the world on social media, you know, for example, the kick it out issues, you know, the, the whole issues of, of racism, where you know, it's just getting out of hand and ridiculous. Some people would argue it's always been the case, but close yourself away from. So I think some things can go into the spotlight more than others, but at the end of the day, there is pressure there yeah. in all of the leadership roles, and therefore, it's how you navigate that in a performance-related world, which is a world in. I don't, don't think you're going to get away from that. I think it's the same in all sectors.
1: Yeah, and I think you said it there. I think you probably then need to take unpopular decisions, like Southgate, who's not, maybe not going to be popular making that decision, but he has to make it for the benefit of his team.
2: Yeah, and as long as you remember, again, I think it links to you why, you know, he is very clear, Gareth Southgate, on why he took that job on. He wants to create a real culture around wanting to perform for your country. And, you know, we, we 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 lose that at times because football players become brands, and I get it. You know, they've got a short career, and they should be, you know, be able to create these different business lines themselves. But I think at times we've forgotten. You're representing your country here. This is like this is the pinnacle of it, but it hasn't always been the case. And I think some other sports like Rugby Union, for example, do that really well. You're representing your country. And cricket, I think, have done it well. But I think it's more difficult in football, and there's commercials around that, of course. But creating that culture around this is what we're here to do, it links people back to why. That <laughs> kid that started playing football years ago, this is the pinnacle you get to playing for your country. And it is. In Scotland or in yeah. Wales or in England. This is the pinnacle, and it's going back to that why. And I think that's crucial. And it and it will be having to make some tough decisions because when you're a leader, you're there to protect your people, you're there to develop your people. And if something's not right and you think that's gonna talk about, distract us, take mm-hmm. our focus off that we mentioned earlier, then why not have the conversation? Yeah, it might not be popular but will it look after people and will it remind people what we're actually here to do and keep us laser focused eyes on the prize of course it will
1: fantastic
0: how 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 challenging did you find it like in your early days of like your kind of leadership journey to have those sort of difficult conversations Did you all, like that that's something that i, I would say would probably be one of the, the biggest challenges is just having those difficult conversations that ultimately need to be had to to solve problems and whatever it is
2: i think it's um that's a really good question i do think it's affected by age and what i what i mean by that is is you know i was a 31 32 year old head teacher and everyone on the senior team was significantly older than me Mm. you know and lots of staff had started teaching before i was born so i think you have to handle that really carefully because you know You can't be going in going, you do this, you do that, some kind of dictatorial leadership style, which wouldn't be my style anyway. And I think you can work at times, but not very often. So I think you have to really think about your communication. And I think the best leaders I've worked with are obsessed with the words they use, the language. Mm -hmm. They're obsessed with how they can communicate this so the message hits and sticks. And, 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 And that's the difference, I think, between an average leader and a great leader. How can I say this in a way that is going to get them on board, bring them with me, and help them to understand? And of course, not everyone's gonna like that decision, but you've gotta be smart with your communication. And I would say, particularly smart, I deal with lots of leaders now, and when there is a younger leader, they probably have to think a little bit more about the communication. Because, mm. again, I'm not saying all the leaders don't have to think about it. Of yeah. course, they do too. But I think there's a slight nuance when you're a younger leader and people are literally going, well, all right then, you show us if you can do the job or not. And I think that's when they've got to work hard. I was fortunate that I had a really supportive team um, that would listen to me um, and didn't fall asleep. Well, mm. that often anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, think,
0: I think that's a, a very important point as well. And for a lot of like, the, the student teachers that listen into to the podcast, um, for me in particular I was obviously clerking myself I, I looked really young like going into a school so when I went in in my first year of teaching like the the seniors weren't they were maybe about I think five or six years younger than me at a push and then um, even like I think that translates down to a classroom teacher level as well like how you communicate with those young people that you are oh. you're only a little bit older than without like you're there to teach them and but at the same time, try not patronise them or it's just about the way you interact with them. And I think that's such an important message about how you how you communicate with people. I really like that.
2: You do. And you, you have to understand the position you're in and, and how things can look. I mean, I'm glad you said that you look young because I'm next to you on, on the Zoom call here and <laughs> I look incredibly old. Uh, you're actually, you know, not at all. Yeah, thanks, Clark. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but it's, you know, it, it, it is, you've really got to think about it. I think it's, it's an important, everybody should think more about the communication, mm-hmm. you know, because we all blurt things out. You know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm talking leadership events, but, you know, I need to always think about not just what I'm saying, but what will they potentially hear? And where are they? Where are they at the moment? Because again, we think about communication is what we want to say. Well, as a leader, you've got to really be aware of what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you might just want to get something off your chest and just say it and move on. But they might not be in a place to receive that. And you might have to tailor it or hold something back if it's not overly urgent because they might need to hear something else at that exact moment. So, you know, we could talk about communication an awful lot. But one of the big things I think people forget about communication, which is something I'm always on it myself about, which is interesting considering I talk so much. But I, listening for me is the biggest part of communication.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I listened to a podcast the other day and they were speaking about active listening and like nodding and asking questions to clarify things. And it's just, uh, I think it's a real, a real good skill to have. Yeah. It helps, helps you yeah. under, understand things as well a lot better, doesn't it?
2: Well, I mean, this is the famous quote, isn't it? By Stephen Colby. He said, seek first to understand before you seek to be understood. Mm-hmm. and it's a great that, that was in his seven habits but but it's a great thing and you know i one of the things i started doing and this wasn't for a fact this was just because i was interested when i started teaching i was just like at the end of every lesson i'd go what do you reckon to that oh, was that any good and it was amazing how honestly they'd yeah. all say every lesson sir you talk too much Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, can't, we always know that's going to happen a bit. Why use five words when five thousand will do, kids? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's that, but, but it, it was—it is really important to ask the question and know where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, "Oh, you do a lot of speaking, Drew," and and how does that go? And you know, how do you decide what you're going to say? Well, I need to work out what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a lot of work on talking to people before. Where are you? Or I read a lot about the organisation, or I find out as much as I can because. You know, I can get up there, but it's not. Again, it's what I was saying before. It's not about what I'm going to say or what I want to get across. Mm-hmm. The stage for me, the stage is to help them.
1: That's good. So I
2: suppose that comes from my coaching background, and my teaching background. Mm-hmm. It's, it's how can I help these people move on?
1: Yeah. yeah and you. just before we move on, then we we're talking a wee bit about the England camp build up. And we're looking forward to hopefully coming down to Wembley as well for the game. The yeah, Scotland boys.
0: That.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a once in a lifetime.
2: I know what hey, it is for us. Well, I tell you what, you did well in the rugby. Yeah, that's, that's been, right. Been, I know. been in the Calcutta Cup. Uh, um, I know quite a few people were bruised by that because it's been a it's been a while since you have won it. But again, you know, it's great. You know, I love I love seeing it. And you, you know, look at Wales Rugby Union. You know, a nation of what three point three million, I think, or three and a half million people, and they were like world number one in the run up to last World Cup. It's great seeing nations improving, and again, I love seeing that development. And you know, the football is looking good for you guys, and the rugby is looking very good as well. So it'll be a hell of a game at Wembley. I know that much.
1: Yeah, the Mm quicker the fans can get in, the better. So we're missing all this good, (laughs) all these good performances. I
2: know, I know, and and I, I can imagine. I mean, I'm not, I am. Part Scottish, actually, but I could imagine the tartan army literally would be twelfth man.
0: Yeah, I know it'll
1: be.
2: I know.
0: Right, well, Drew, move on to the, the next question. That was that was a, a really interesting few points that you made there on communication and the importance of that within leadership. But another kind of key feature of leadership, and I suppose at a kind of whatever stage of leadership it is, whether it's a classroom teacher or middle leader, um, expectations and standards. Would you agree with that?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's one of the fundamentals. I was talking to a school in Dubai um, about two weeks ago, and they asked me to talk about this. And they talk in sport very often about non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. And um, they asked me my view on that too. And I speak a lot about expectations. You know, expectations are really important. They're powerful. You know? So Brian Tracy, business author, he talks about the law of expectations, which mm-hmm. basically says what you expect to get is roughly what you get yeah I, mm-hmm. it's, it's true isn't it you know if your expectations are low you got as the labor government i think called it the poverty of expectations you know you aim low you're probably going to end up down there you yeah. aim high then you're much more chance of, of actually achieving that and i think leaders have got to go about setting expectations and any any leader i see in any sector that comes in and shifts the needle or comes in and does something different and makes a dent and moves things forward and creates positive and sustainable change they always come in and address expectations you know Mm -hmm. in a school it might be what do you expect from these kids I'm not having that comment made so what do you mean these kids why can't these kids be as good as anyone else's kids Mm -hmm. you know that should be changed and you you will hear it in sport I will We're a bottom half table club why and by the way, if you keep saying that, you damn well will be, and you might, yeah. even, you, know, you might even get relegated, because if you just drop below your standards and you set them low, you are in trouble.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
2: think it's that, and we, you know we know enough about expectancy theory and lots it's of like, It's like this. Theory. It's like that
0: belief cycle, isn't it? Whatever you believe, then it just kind of feeds that. Whether it's positive it or negative, if you believe it, then you achieve it, Then you're going to feed that yeah. in a positive way, or
2: it does, right and it. You might have heard the research on the Pygmalion effect, which was done in schools. Um, have you come across no, that? Rosenberg? No, I've not come across it. Um I'm sure some of the teachers listening to this will have. Um, but it's a, it was a fascinating piece of research. It was done over in America. They took a group of kids, and they gave them an external test at the end of the year. And then they put the kids in the class above with a new teacher, and they got the test results. And the bottom three or four kids, they put them as joint top marks. They just played with the data, didn't tell the teacher, gave the kids to the new teacher, observed some of the teaching throughout the year. Teacher didn't know any different. Teachers have started teaching the kids. No extra lessons, nothing other than she was expecting them to be around the top of the class. And guess where the bottom three kids at the end of that year, guess where they came at the end of the year? Top. Top. And they were were near the top. And this is what's known as the Pygmalion effect, you know, in – in psychology, this is this is powerful stuff. Lewis, hit the nail on the head. This is about beliefs. And we know, don't we, as teachers, we every kid has a belief bank, and we can mm-hmm. either add credits to it or we can take credits out of that belief bank. And, and all the time we're doing that with kids, but that's leadership. It's the same with our people when we're leading people, you know, we can add credits into their belief systems. No, I believe you can do this, you can go for that, or we can be taking credits out and constantly criticizing. So I think the setting of expectations is key. I think it's powerful. Um, and I think it's the starting point really when leaders go in to start setting the bar, where are we gonna put this bar? And, and, and by doing that, I think it gives people a framework to, walk to uh, work to. And I would always say have conversations about, you know, what is happening here? Because like in any walk of life, someone will be doing something with a very similar set of people but they'll be absolutely nailing it and if you're Mm -hmm. not nailing it go and find out perhaps what those people are doing or talk to the people about what could we achieve and that sometimes might be people might need to go and get a new set of experiences because it's become as we talked earlier the self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. you know you can almost get to the point what do you expect from these kids and that thing will become the reality no 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 what could we achieve why can't we do that Why not Mm -hmm. us? Why not you? Let's go. Let's do Mm -hmm. something great. And I think it's absolutely achievable. And it's about nudging those expectations. And a number of leaders have asked me, well, how do I do that then? Because it's all right staying. I just come in. What do I do? Just set the bar somewhere? Mm -hmm. And I I always say, I think you can ask a smart question. And the question I think leaders should ask to raise expectations is a really simple one. And it's just the question, is this good enough? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is this good enough? Because by asking that, people can go, yeah. And if you don't think it is, well, that's the conversation starter. Or if someone goes, is this good enough? And we go, no, it's not. Okay, so what could we do? I think we mm-hmm. could do that. I agree with you. But it's a conversation starter. And by getting people to go, I've just done, is it good enough? It's a great question to ask in sport. I've used it a lot in yeah. sport. Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this good enough for us? Yeah, is this that's good. good.
1: Enough? Yeah, I remember reading a book with Tim Ferriss on the tools of Titans and there was someone in that book who was talking about expectations and how they can actually lead to frustration because what you're saying there is if you've got a team that you work with and you've got expectations, you've set them. But what if they, I suppose this is leading into Lucy's follow-up question? Um, but, uh, you know, if they don't meet that, then that's a frustration thing as a leader, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a frustration. And it's a frustration for them. Because to be clear, you know... I don't know. And I know how to maintain this with kids. I, I, I've never come across a kid yet that gets up in the morning and goes, I'm going to go into school today and I'm going to cock it up. I'm going to be a pain in the backside because I want everyone to shout at me. I want to get on everyone's nerve and I want everyone to hate me. I just mm. don't think that happens. I just no. I think, it, I think that can play out, but I don't think that is their intention at the start of a day. And I also don't think... Um, people get up in the morning as a teacher or in the police or NHS or in business or in sport and go, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go out there today and I'm going to have a really crap game. I'm just going to cock it up. I'm going to go out there and deliver the worst lesson I've ever delivered. <laughs> people don't want to go and do that thing. But when that thing does happen, it needs addressing. Cause if it gets left, we get what we tolerate. Mm-hmm. So if, if no one challenges it, well, that then will norm. And it, well, it's okay for me to do that. Mm-hmm. So no, no, no. We're not accepting that. Is that good enough? And that's the question we keep going about. Is this good enough? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if someone is struggling, um, John Maxwell talks about the three T's. And I love that. He says, you know, if someone's struggling, you train them up. Train them. Develop them. Mm -hmm. Put time into them. Put effort in. And if that's not working and the training's not worked, then maybe transfer them to a different part of the business. You know, would they be better as a TA or would they be better um, you know, rather than playing in midfield, dropping them in defence or whatever? Transfer them to a different type of role. See if that works, different seat on the bus. But at the end of the day, as a leader, if you work really hard to train someone and you've transferred them and you've given them another opportunity somewhere else, then you have to move to the third T and have very honest conversations, supportive ones. But you have to go to the third T, which is terminate. And some people reel back, We well, can't do that. It's not a leadership word to terminate. But I think you terminate on a joint basis. Because mm-hmm. if people, if it's not working, the frustration, yeah, it's frustrating for the leader. But think about your people, who you're leading. It's frustrating for them, banging the head against a brick wall, not getting it right. You know, the kid in the wrong school or the kid in the wrong class, it's like frustrating. Mm-hmm. The player in the wrong team. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for everybody. So be really honest about, we're going to go on this journey and we want it to work. And my goodness me, if we get it to, I believe it can work. But if it doesn't, we'll work together and we'll find a solution to that too. all
1: oh, comes back to communication again then.
2: 100% Clark. No, I, th- I think that,
0: um, that kind of answers that, that second part of my question there, Drew, because I was asking about expectations and standards. And then the second part was about when individuals in your team Um, are maybe struggling to match the expectations that you've set um, despite you modelling it or supporting them like what you just said with the the, the 3T example there what advice would you give to a leader in this position but I think you can uh...
2: yeah I mean I would do that I mean occasionally you get someone that can be an awkward customer but I think it's like dealing with an awkward customer kid you know if there's there'll be a reason why that's happening Again, I want to find out the why for that person. Why are they not going with us on this? And I just asked him, you know, you're not going with us on this. What's to do? Or well, is the same with a kid who's kicking off in a certain couple of lessons? You know, why are you doing that? Like, why are you doing it? I want to understand it. Explain it to me. I'll help you understand it. And then if we know what it is, we can deal with the thing. Because I think too often in life, in all sectors, we've got a hole in the roof. And the rain's coming through. And all we do is put pots and pans out. Yeah. To catch the water. And I'm like, Hello hole in the roof I know let's go and fix the hole in the roof let's find out the source of the issue and deal with it and I think sometimes we kind of mess around the edges or medicate or whatever let's find out what it is let's address it and let's deal with it.
1: Okay so you would do that through kind of individual conversations then with colleagues um, within your department?
2: Yeah, and I think people get scared about the HR conversation, but I go, it's not an HR conversation; it's a human conversation. And yeah, you know, I would always run it past HR to make sure I'm not um, doing something crazy. But I just go, look, you, you don't seem happy. Is everything all right? Mm-hmm. You don't seem yourself. Are you enjoying this? You know, because you know we've had to have a couple of conversations about a couple of things. Is everything good? And you know, who knows what comes out of the woodwork then? It could be a personal issue, you know, and they might need some support or they might just be, you know what, I've lost the passion for it. Well, that's okay too. Let's let's be honest enough to have a relationship that's strong enough Mm. to label this and be able to deal with it. And, you know, that always comes down to relationships and we can forget that in leadership sometimes. I always say, you know, any business is about people. Any business, any sports team, any sector, business is about people. Mm-hmm. People are about relationships and relationships are all about emotions. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, we go back to that emotional banking, the belief bank stuff. We've got to know our people well enough to be able to have a conversation that says, something's not right here. Let's work on it together.
1: Yeah, it comes, comes on to the skill of emotional intel- intelligence as well. Yeah. As a leader. Yeah. Um, so a, a huge part of the... General Teaching Council for Scotland standards for registration, for full registration and for um, middle leadership uh, in Scotland is about um, leading change and, you know, showing different leadership styles during that process. So I suppose my question's kind of two-pronged. Can you give an example of, uh, an example when you've led change and overcame a challenge or plugged a gap in school, and, and what leadership styles did you, did you bring to the table? to achieve the change
2: yeah that's a it's a good question it's a big one um, and i could probably give like hundreds of examples um i would probably say when i first became a head trying to understand that because of the nature of the deficit we had to run the school differently than any school's been run i mean we just had less money than anybody had, had. Um, in our circumstances, and it was a PFI building as well, which made finances tricky. Um, so it was it was a it was a difficult time. And I suppose to create the change, I think it's got to be done with people, not to them. And I, and you know I know. I know in, in really big organisations, when I work with some of the big PLCs, you know, people go, it's really hard that, Drew, because we've got 80,000 people who work in our organisation. But I think trying to communicate with everybody again and go, right, here's where we are. Let's kind of work out our starting point. So I think when you're trying to create change, people go, I'm casting vision and we're going over there and these are the expectations. But I go, look, where's your starting point? Because you know, if I'm going to go to London and I'm based in, here in the People's Republic of Warrington, it's a a certain journey for me. Same destination, but it's a different journey. Now where you gents are up in Scotland, you're still going to London, but it's a very different journey. So Mm -hmm. I think it's helping people understand, look, here's where we are, this is ground zero, this is our starting point. And then starting to work out with people, where could we go? What are we capable of, us here? And I think that's about casting vision. And I think at that point, it's not about the leader coming in, having been at a retreat somewhere at the weekend and listened to wind chimes and contemplated navels or (laughs) any of these things. It's about going, let's work together on what we could do here. And I think that's very energising for a group of people. And we created a really powerful vision about who we were. We created our core purpose at the school, which was to make the difference, not our difference, it was to make the difference. And that came from the ladies in the front office. You know, that was this was about creating something with the whole staff that meant something. So on bad days, I knew that why. I go, hey, it's tough this, but we're here mm-hmm. to make the difference. Let's go and do it. On good days, hey, we just made the difference. Mm-hmm. That so we used that why. And that was, they created that. We did it together. And that was about talking, but it's about really listening to the communication stuff that, we, that keeps coming up. But then it was about saying, so what could the future be? And by them being part of the creation of that, oh, my goodness, it was powerful. Because they've created this future. It's locked in there. It's not me coming. Here's what we're going to look like. And no, no, no. That's your view of the world, Drew. You know, some places, you know, some businesses you start and they go, here are your principles or here are your values. And I'm like, oh, can you tell me as a human being what to value? I understand mm. how these are important in the business and you can, you've got to match them up. I I mean, they have to create, be shared. Yeah, absolutely they do. And I think creating them with a group of people is powerful. So I'd probably say that one. In terms of the leadership style... Um,
1: it, sounds are, as a, it sounds as if from the post the leadership course I was on recently, it sounds like distributed leadership. We learned a lot about that and it was really fascinating. It sounds as if that's what you were doing there. You were getting their feelings and bringing them on the journey with you.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I, I've got to be honest, um, though. I, I, I always have a view about where it needs to be. So it's probably in the, in the Blanchard model, it's probably a, a more coaching style where I've got a view, but I've not fixed that.
1: Mm-hmm. But I've
2: got a good idea. I don't go into this blind and go, we can create whatever we want. And I was very honest with people. You know, I've got a view about this one, Lord, but it's just my view. So actually, let's create it together. But I think, yes, it is distributed leadership, but I have got a view about where I want it to be. And that's not manipulating people, to my view, because a lot of the things that I wanted to put as the why and the and the vision, actually, they didn't come to fruition. Other people have better ideas than me. Um, no, no surprise to anyone there. So we put those ideas in. And that wasn't just teachers. and It wasn't just senior leaders. We had everyone in there. We had everyone, the cleaners. We had, we had everyone. And they were all part of those discussions. So... I think I use lots of styles. Um, I try not to be directive, even though Mm. occasionally we've just got to go, guys, this just needs to happen. It's not a conversation around it. Like we just need to get it done. Um, But I think that's less likely to be effective long-term because give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach him to fish, feed him for life. I think when people Mm. kind of, Go through the process to do it, and of course we haven't always got time. But when you can get them to create it in sport, a lot of a lot of the coaches I work with in sport, I say you can give them the game plan. Of course you can. Wouldn't it be amazing if you did a video preview in the game and you agreed with them mm-hmm. what the game plan should be? Players then own it, mm-hmm. and people won't see that side of sport. But that's what the smart coaches are doing. They're generating the game plan with the coach with the players. Not just us as coaches who have all the knowledge. Here you go. It's done together.
1: So, what would your kind of top tip be then for bringing people on the journey with you? Would it be that uh, you setting the standards at the at the front and you leading by example? Or kind of what would it be then for your what would your top tip be to bring people on the journey with you?
2: Just talk. You know, there's there's you know again there can be lip service paid to this we would like to know as an organization what you think about x and as you're filling it in everyone's filling it in typing it out on the keyboard going no one will ever read this or listen to it anyway send (laughs) that's what some people can do you know you know when it's lip service so i think talking to people is really big i'm gonna have to be really boring here gents and go back to you've got to listen You know, you know, as a human being, a kid knows in a school. Are you really listening to me? Mm -hmm. Or are you just asking a question and hoping I give you the right answer? So I think taking people with you, you know, talk to people, walk around, get a feel for it. Where are you coming from? That's interesting. Tell me more about that. Really, I want to know. You said it before, Lewis. I call it aggressive listening. Aggressively listen. Make notes. Ask questions. Clarify explore all those things i think are the key to taking people with you not coming in with a dictat and saying this is the way it is and i think that can work it can work i've seen it work but i think it works short term you want sustainability you want people to go with you on the long term talk Mm -hmm. and more importantly listen
1: well thanks for very much for uh, summarizing that there and giving us the tools there to create sustainable change so thanks very much.
0: Andrew, that brings us on to the, the last question of our, the main part of the podcast. So what advice would you give to middle managers within a school to help them build a community with their school at the heart of it? And what would you have done differently, if anything, in your role at this stage?
2: So I've got to start off by saying the talking and the listening. You know, mm. I'm going to keep banging that drum. Um, I, I also think as well, a lot of reflection on on how am I coming across I remember when I was first a middle level leader which I was an NQT and I was a head of RE uh, long story not got enough time but I was a head of RE as an NQT and they hadn't taught RE there for a while properly and you know I didn't have a clue what I was doing and everyone knew it um, and I probably didn't spend enough time on the emotional intelligence stuff Clark you mentioned earlier you know be self-aware manage yourself you know be aware of how I'm coming across. I think think that's massive um, in in, in terms of being able to create change. Um, I also think working with people and working out what their strengths are. Um, So I think you've got to know yourself. I think you've got to know your team. You've got to know what they can bring to the table and be honest with them um, about what they can, you know, this is your area to fly. And that's okay if they're better than you for you to take a site, that this is your skill set. You lead now. You lead now. Cause I think that's great. Um, and I encourage that as much as I possibly can in terms of the culture. Do you mean the internal culture of the school or, or the external culture and community internal? So for the internal culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I talk quite a lot about this, um, because I might have, Um, not quite been on point with the first part of this question when it comes to culture know what culture you want Mm -hmm. the amount of people that let culture happen so if you talk to anybody go is culture important everyone goes yes culture is very important and I go yeah of course it is we all know it is what are you doing about it and then people kind of give you a bit of a gray flowery view of that so the culture I want to create is a group of people as flat a structure as possible Someone's got to lead. I get it. We learned that from Google in the early 2000s, like no leader, big problem. So someone's got to lead it, but really flat structure, loads of conversations, people tipping in, regardless of position. It's not about position. It's about permission, another John Maxwell phrase. Get everybody in the mixer. Get everybody putting the shoulders to the wheel. Get everybody creating something. That's the culture we want. Right, great. How can you create that? Because again, I think people let culture happen creeps up on them oh this is our culture oh look at that. that happened wow i don't like that bit that bit's all right yeah it happened by accident how many people are really being strategic about culture what do you want we'll go and create that thing then okay so what have i got to do to get that and again it'll come down to communication it'll come down to listening it'll come down to knowing you why there'll be some reflection on you how am i coming across where are my strengths what can you bring to the table how well do you know you this is your time you come and lead now I'll take this out, And I think those elements would be massive for somebody in a middle level leader role, whether they're creating the culture internally, mm-hmm. stuff on Edgar Schein on culture, if people are interested in this, really interested because what he says is, is that a culture, so a school culture is made up of subcultures, mm-hmm. different departmental cultures. So actually it'd be good for middle level leaders to say, what kind of culture do we want overall? And therefore we make little microcosms of that macro culture in our departments.
0: How, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But see, in terms of like changing that culture, how like, obviously there's like loads of things, there's loads of pieces to that puzzle, but how many things would you kind of advise like changing at the one time? Is it like focus on maybe one thing and get that nailed or the focus on maybe two or three? I don't know. What would, what's the kind of best approach to, to try and achieve that change?
2: Yeah, I would always agree the rule of three. Um, We learn in threes. I remember my phone number as a kid. You know, you remember it in threes. So I think always go for focus three points. And, and, but again, I would always agree with people, right? What kind of thing do we want to create here, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, what are the first three things you think we've got to nail to get this? And my view on that is it won't really matter what Mm -hmm. they were. Because if you can get them nailed quickly, three things, what that does is, and it's a great book list by Jeff Hayden called The Motivation Myth. And what he says in that book is, is that we think motivation comes to us and then we get going. And he said, actually, motivation comes from a quick win. And he calls it a virtuous cycle. We get a quick win and we get motivation. Then we get a bit, we're motivated. So we get another quick win. Then we get more motivation. Then we get another quick win. we get more motivation and he said it's a cyclist like overcoming inertia so i always believe in getting quick wins Mm What are the three things we could do that will get people go oh my goodness we've all pulled together look we've nailed that down that's fantastic people are more motivated then go for another quick win and just you know realize you know rome wasn't built in a day so segment milestones down and what can we do to achieve this great thing over here in our milestones but we'll start off with some quick wins to get that virtuous cycle. Jeff Hayden talks about in the motivation myth: get people motivated, get people inspired, get the flywheel moving.
0: I don't think you could have answered that question any better. There, that's definitely given some actionable points that can be can be taken away. We're, we're, that's what we're big on here in the podcast as well. But that's what that's what the reason I asked that was because sometimes I feel in my in my short experience in a school that. Um, when trying to achieve change, whether that's behaviour or with teaching and learning or whatever it is, there's just too many different focuses that it's just nothing, really, there's not like a clear specific focus to, for, for everybody to work on to get that success and then that boost of motivation the way you put it there and to keep working on it and it, it sometimes just falls through.
2: Yeah, and you can just go, right, we're going to do this this week, mm-hmm. one thing. Let's, mm-hmm. let's win on this. Yeah. Let's win on this because if we won on this, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. don't forget to celebrate them. It's yeah, very mm-hmm. often you win it and you go, right, great, what are we doing next? No, no, no. We, we, we won on this. Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. celebrate success enough. Now, we're talking about the kids going back. We're talking about a few kids that you know, are struggling at the moment. You know, know, there will be a few kids struggling. But what about the vast majority? They're doing well. Well done. Well done, mm-hmm. everyone. Well done. Well done, mm. good job. Good job. Let's celebrate it. We've done well. You know, like, you know, the government, whether I'm, I'm not being political now, but, you know, we've been through a really difficult time as a country and we're coming through the end of it. And it's not been perfect. No one, I don't know anything that ever is perfect. Yeah. We've done a really good job and we should be celebrating more. And mm-hmm. you know, a little bit cock ups, but I think, you know, there's been lots of good things that happen well and we're quite easy to kick people and we kick ourselves.
0: Yeah.
2: We don't celebrate those successes.
1: Yeah, Drew, see just quickly before we got into the quickfire, just when when it's in my head, I was wanting to get your opinion on this. So as a leadership, uh, sorry, as a leader through your your development, how important has it been for you to receive feedback from people who are like higher up than you at that point and getting advice? Because I remember a feedback I got from a head teacher a couple of years ago in my previous school and she was brutal and honest with her feedback. Like I wasn't being assertive enough and I wasn't, that, right. but that was um, and, and that was a word that she used. assertive enough knows it's still stuck in my head now, and I'm always thinking about being a when I'm dealing with and just being a wee bit more assertive rather than being you know overly accommodating. Like well, how, should I? I, yeah, I probably. Yeah, she probably is right. But it was, I needed her to tell me that for it to, br- to bring it to my attention, and for me now to, and I think it's something that I now work on. So how important is that feedback been like for you? Oh, I like, mean, the,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I work hard and always good intentions, but I cock it up regularly. I think we all do, but you know, I know I certainly have done in my life and my working life. You know, we just do cock it up and I think we need good people around. But it's whether we're able to listen to it. There's so many leaders that I've worked with that just just rubbish it off, explain it away. Oh well it's because of this. Mm-hmm. If that makes you sleep at night, that's fine, but you know, deal with the issue. Mm-hmm. I do think we need to put it in perspective though, because there's some people who can make really you know off the cuff comments that might not be right, I yeah. Know, so, I,
1: yeah, yeah, I think I think in this case it was more it was during like a P, PRD meeting, so it was probably more of a it was an honest it conversation. Was, it, was, it was fine, it was an honest conversation. Yeah, yeah. A, we're having. I
2: think it's, but I. I would always say that surround yourself again those five people around you are they giving you good honest feedback and i think when you get feedback make sense of it first because mm-hmm. i think a lot of people can go well oh my goodness they're above me and they told me to do that and you know i've seen that happen tragically you know you're not this enough in a classroom yeah and they might be right but that person doing that it's not their style yeah, so it's very yeah. unauthentic the kids start laughing and then the teacher suddenly is hating the job. Mm-hmm. And I think you you as the owner of that, I'd always want to talk to leaders about get your feedback right, make sure it's accurate, make sure it's done right. But we're not always going to be perfect. And I think it's really important to just take a minute, just to step back and to look at that feedback and go, mm-hmm. right, what are they saying here? Okay, there's a point there. Not sure about that one, but I'm going to get another perspective on it from someone who really knows me. Right, about this feedback, what do you think about this? Take the emotion out, give yourself 24 hours, but then look at that feedback. Yeah, that's good. go, right, what's the best thing I can do to deal with this? Because what can happen is, this happens in sport, people go, I've read this book in sport and so-and-so does this, so I'm going to do that. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not you. Mm-hmm. What we don't want is a load of people trying to be like Sir Alex Ferguson. or And people write books on this kind of stuff. And I'm like, it's great that you're writing the book, but we're all different, so I can't do that because that wouldn't be in my style. That bit might be. And I think it's getting the feedback, looking at it, getting perspective, getting other people's perspectives, and then going, right, what does this mean for me? And how can I use that to get better? And, and I actually think it's, it's okay if you don't agree with the feedback Mm -hmm. and if there's a good enough relationship it sounds like this feedback was great for you and it was and and great but I also think you've got to make sure it's right for you and it doesn't take you down the wrong path but in actually going back to your question that was a bit of a sidebar going back to your actual question the feedback I've had is just incredible because we're always the worst person to see what's actually happened there Mm-hmm. And I've had so many people that have taken the time to pour in from me, including family and really good coaches and mentors, and great leaders I've worked with that said, no, I'm just not sure about that, Drew. you think you're miles off there. Good friends who are just going, nah, not a chance. Like <laughs> reverse, backpedal, <laughs> you're wrong. And, and and you need that, you need those yeah. people around you that can have those kind of conversations that just make you go, yeah. I need to just do things a bit differently.
0: Mm.
1: Fantastic. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that there.
0: Right, time to put you on the spot a bit now. <laughs> Are you ready? So at the end of the podcast, I always get our, our quickfire questions that we ask all the guests just for a wee bit of fun. So just three quick questions to finish us off, Drew. So number yeah. one then, if you could have a giant billboard anywhere in the world or in your home, t- what's your hometown?
2: Warrington,
0: Warrington, yeah, he said that.
2: Famous, famous for the first IKEA in the UK.
0: Oh, that that would have been busy the other day when it it reopened. Yeah, I no,
2: mean, it's not <laughs> open yet. It'll be, ne- it'll be next. It'll be, it'll be Monday, won't it? Next week. Oh, is it? Everyone yeah. will be all over it. We all love a bit of IKEA.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. And um, Lewis is still here, kind of. Well, I don't know if you've been in IKEA, Lewis. I'm not going to speak for you, but he's no. buying a he's buying a house in August, so he's going to experience an IKEA trip shortly. I uh, <laughs> you know. Spending a like hundred pound every trip.
2: Oh, you're great! And, and and on the way out, just treat yourself to some meatballs. Oh, yeah, I exactly. heard, heard that. You you can't beat the meatballs at IKEA. Not part of the podcast, I realise, yeah. but sorry, it's, right. it's something we need to share with the listeners. <laughs> yeah, right
0: if, if you take anything away from the podcast, it's get yourself some meatballs of from yeah. IKEA.
1: <laughs> and I think I think we should just add to it as well. Like Drew as the first person to be to be put on the spot because usually we send the. The quick fire away to the guests, but to be honest, Drew is the first one that's actually not had that uh, beforehand. So you give
2: him, you're giving me serious IBS here, I don't know. <laughs> do if, also... if I disappear, if disappear from this chair, you know where I've gone.
0: <laughs> you can just, you can just uh, make the first question about IKEA's meatballs if you want, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, where I'm going. that's where I'm going. Brilliant. Right, so I'll ask it again then. If you could have a giant billboard anywhere in the world or in your hometown of Warring Warrington to what would it say on it
2: I will oh, there's so many things I'd want to say uh, on a build I think the most useful thing I said and I said it just in a session I was doing with the team Um, And I I really meant it, but it just kind of came out, you know, when you suddenly say something by accident, but it's quite an important thing. But I meant what I was saying at the time, but I was trying to frame it and I I just blurted out life is a team sport. And um, they were kind of like, oh, we really like that. And I go, yeah, i have like once in my life said something profound and it was by accident. But it was I, I think it's true that And the reason I think that's helpful is because it is isn't it. Like, yeah. you, whatever you do, people go, oh, you did this, or they did that, or they won this cup, or this won that. No, they didn't. You know, I'm an Everton fan, and I went to go and see Jurgen Klopp. I was invited by a good friend of mine, Sophie Devonshire, to, um she's CEO of Marketing Society, uh, to the induction into the Hall of Fame for Jurgen Klopp, well. and um, yeah, as an Everton fan, it was a bit difficult really because they were winning everything and he is brilliant and he's an incredible speaker. So I was kind of like really not wanting to like him, but I couldn't help but like him. <laughs> yeah. And he talked about um, when he was asked what's the secret to his success, he just talked about his team. Mm-hmm. He talked about the coaching staff. He talked about his wife. He, and, and I remember thinking, you know, you could have just taken all the glory you're being inducted into the LMA Hall of Fame and all you're doing is putting it on other people. And I love that, but I think it's a great reminder for everybody, You know, people are going through tough times, people are struggling with mental health issues, which there are people really struggling, kids in schools, leaders in tough spots. Whatever you're going through, you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Life genuinely is a team sport. And anybody that thinks it's one hero person coming in and battling the odds all on their own, like, you know, Jason and the Argonauts or whatever, or you're probably too young to remember what I'm talking about. But anyway, it's never one person on their own. So I'd put, anyway, I'm ranting. And no, raiding. no, that's all right. Life is a team sport, I think I've put.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. actually, it's, it's actually got me thinking about. All the challenging things I've done in my life has been with Lewis. Like, I don't know, we're getting a wee. <laughs> um, so, I know it sounds a wee bit romantic there, but <laughs> well, um, I've <I'm> just <laughs> wanted that. that we've we'll got we'll a going on here. Off, off
2: Radio 2, we need that
1: music in the
2: background, as you say <laughs> so, it. There.
1: It got me thinking there because we've done a lot of running challenges together. This podcast's a challenge, and I don't think. Like we, got, we came up with this quote when we delivered a presentation once um, abroad on the West Highland Way that we ran, and it said that end, do something together that would be impossible alone. So that kind of got me thinking there that, 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 that I think this podcast would be impossible alone. Actually, when I think about it, so it's definitely something that resonates with us. Like you do, do. It, do it just
0: half the burden, doesn't it? Like with all the
2: things that you do and everything. I, I, you, you just don't have to do it alone. Yeah, like you, just don't, you just don't. When leaders say to me, Leaders, it's lonely at the top, I'm like, no, only if you want it to be. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you really no mate. So go and talk to people. Mm-hmm. You know, go and meet people. Get yourself out there. And it's not difficult in this world. Mm-hmm. Go and read books about it and read about what other leaders are doing. That I get a lot of learning from that. So definitely, you know, there's people out there that will help. And, you know, you, you ask somebody for help, how often do they say no? really you ask someone to, for, for directions and you go excuse me could you have, how many how many times has someone told you where to go no, They know no. they go oh well i'll draw you a map or i've even had people yeah. to get in the car with me and drive me there which is a bit weird <laughs> I, was quite, I was quite happy to receive the help but you do people want to help so don't suffer in silence ask for yeah. the help
1: I know, how many times have you asked for directions and you forget them Like by the time they've they put the window up as well? I'm, oh, I'm terrible for that.
2: I, I'm really bad because I'm like one of these people watchers, I'm really interested in people and as they give me the directions I'm going that's a really <laughs> jumper and oh my goodness. I
1: know I don't <laughs> listen to that but.
2: but the air you've got in your car and and, and oh my goodness, you've, you've got whatever like oh look at the glasses, they've got these glasses and I'm just looking at everything, the moment they've driven off I'm like <laughs> No idea what they've just said to me. <laughs> Thanks anyway. Yeah, um, unless I'm you're
0: like... Fan, I'm uh, I going to say, unless you're like me when you were younger and just giving them the complete wrong directions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the man used to do that. Yeah. He used to do it or used to do it all the time. He used, to, he used to stop. It's terrible, I'm telling you this, but he used to stop. And he used to ask people for directions. And the person would be stood on the pavement. And then he'd drive slowly along. And he was asking for directions. And you'd be amazed how many people walk <laughs> with the car, and they'd almost be r- running alongside the car. So I mean, you just need to left up and hold oh, on, lads, and it just drives <laughs> off. And this person would just be stood there like, going, "What kind of lunatic does that?"
0: <laughs> Sounds like something we would do. That's so class. All right, <laughs>
2: yeah. that,
0: that's class. Oh, that's um, that's certainly a good prank. Right, that was a, a, a well rounded answer for the, the billboard question. So, <laughs> it's a long one. It's yeah. not really quick fire, this, is it? No, no. That's no, <laughs> all, <it's> all right. <laughs> I was going to say that. That's yeah. all right. Right, number two then, Drew. What books or people have had the greatest influence on your life? You can give one or the other or a mix of both.
2: Oh, my goodness, man. I could have you for days. Um, honestly, days. I've met so many great leaders. And to be honest, it's not fair for me to single one out. So many in sport. So many in education, so many in the police. Oh, I could just go on and on and on. And um, what I will say is, my family. Mm-hmm. You know, you, your family is so important. I am privileged to have an incredible wife, three brilliant boys, an amazing mom, dad, stepdad, stepmom, um, mother-in-law, father-in-law. You know, got this incredible family around me, and I think that has been really good for me on so many levels and so supportive. And in terms of belief banks, you know, when you haven't got belief and you can look round at your family, and I'm privileged to have that really good family group and a really strong friendship group. Mm, I love that.
1: So, uh, so, Drew, thanks very much for um, coming on to a wee bit of everything tonight and sharing some fantastic and you know fascinating insights into your journey as a leader and uh, everything else over and above that as well. So, top man, thanks for coming on to a wee bit of everything and uh, hope you have uh, enjoyed the rest of your evening.
2: Thank you, lads. Honestly, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we've had a good laugh. I think it was only supposed to be half an hour. Um, yeah, so, a good, I did about and I a half. It, oh, was it? Is it yeah.
0: No, not the No, not the podcast, I think,
2: since we started chatting. I think you come on at half six, so Just no. Say, people will be like going, come on, lads, give it a rest. <laughs> <laughs> no, not what, at all. what I will say is thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, and, and I also want to say, when, you, when people do a podcast like this, you're doing it because you want to help people. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, and and I think the difference you can make with putting content out like this that might just help one person, and it might not be today, it might be in five years. This stuff's really important. So, bravo to the pair of you, it's been great meeting you. I hope we can do it again soon.
0: Well, Clark, that brings us to the end of another episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. I think that was actually. I record recorded episode fifty eight. How's that feel? That's it feels absolutely brilliant. You that's great, what? isn't it? I was looking. I was looking back at the the episode list. I've got all the the notes down. The the episodes that I've written down in the front of my notepad that I use. And I was just like looking at them. I was like, there's just so many there. Yeah. Like I never uh-huh. thought we'd. I never thought we'd get that many I'm done. But I was just gonna keep going. Oh, you
1: know, we've got next milestone, a uh, hundred there
0: eh, probably. Yep.
1: Next yeah. Yeah. Yep. We've obviously came through a big. A few big milestones there, you know, 55 and obviously 50 as well. So we're coming through the, the big milestones and 60 is almost within reach. So
0: Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. But um, enough about milestones, more about takeaway messages. Fantastic conversation there with Drew Povey there on leadership and schools and across different um, sectors. What was your your key takeaway messages there for you as a, um, obviously striving to be a, a middle leader, a PT.
1: Yep, Um, just to actually follow on from what you said there, I loved how the different sectors that you spoke about, that was interesting because we we, we spoke about that in the podcast, trying to get someone on for the NHS, someone from corporate, someone from the police and get different aspects and insights from each sector. So that was good to actually hear what he thought of that um, and how every sector does it differently and he takes bits from each. So he's, Mm -hmm. he's in a very luxurious position to do that and it was good to learn so much from from through tonight on uh, leadership and communication, you know, remembering your why. There was just so much in there, but I would probably go for if uh, from a leadership position, if you're driving change within a, within a department uh, or, or within the whole school, or even just within your class. Um, it would be changing threes. I liked how he said that he remembered remembered his mobile phone number or about his house number um, and threes, and then I thought about my own mobile number and I read it mm. out. And threes as well So it's
0: I'm not going to ask you to read it out you'll get bombarded yeah. Says I'm not going to ask you to read it out you'll get bombarded
1: I oh, know that's uh, well I'm already <laughs> bombarded enough as it is never mind anybody else texting me it's a busy phone list, you know uh, for various reasons um, so no, change in threes would be mine so have I'm trying to see things that you looking to improve at departmental level and make sure that you bring the team with you before you you decide on what the the action plan is, and make sure that everyone's agreeing on it. So you're distributing the leadership, you're giving everyone a say, everyone's valued. That would be my key takeaway message. And then and just,
0: just just to touch on that about the um, changing things in threes was in relation to how the once you achieve that small thing, just celebrating that one and then that just gives you that. gives you that boost of motivation it just keeps that motivation there if you've got a small target that you're trying to reach if it's in say three small things you're trying to achieve and then you you get there celebrate it you get that motivation and that just keeps it going forward and forward and eventually it just accumulates and it creates a bigger change which is a i like the way you put that
1: yeah definitely and then you asked the question um would we just focus on one thing and he says absolutely so if you're going through a difficult time and it's a bit unsteady, then just focus on, on one thing for the week and here's what we're going to achieve this week and that's it and it's mm. a single focus so um, what would be your key takeaway message from Mr Poppy? I
0: think just to touch on see but before we came on the podcast I thought when we were speaking about it we're kind of looking back over the questions deciding who's going to ask what and I was like I felt a wee bit out of my depth almost because it's all on leadership which is in my eyes I feel like that's so far away in, the stage that, in relation to the stage that I'm at in my career just now. Um, so it's like, oh, I feel a bit out of my depth here. But see, after chatting with Drew and listening to him speaking about the different sectors, and I feel like leadership, like it translates down from like a, a senior leader or a head teacher, whatever, it just tracks all, all the same stuff down to the class teacher level. Like all the principles, everything that Drew is speaking about there, you can apply it as a classroom teacher as well when you are leading your class when you're trying to change something in your class it's not working well or you're trying to make something that wee bit better. So, yeah, everything <coughs> that he said there, I can, there's loads of good, good information there that I can take at a, at a classroom teacher level um, to take forward and obviously put within my practice and learn from. shows you how powerful that is then,
1: how powerful that's been, because like, that's mm-hmm. a powerful message to send out, no matter if you're a student teacher, probation probationary classroom teacher or the head teacher, then it's, it's the same stuff as you said, and it's about how you develop people, and inspire excellence, I suppose, which, mm. drew's, which is Drew's vision. Um, yeah. And you are a leader because you're driving positive change. Um
0: So, trying?
1: No, you are.
0: You are. Not trying about it.
1: I'm not trying about it. We are. You are.
0: We are. We are. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, no, well thanks again to everybody who's listened into this episode of the podcast and we really hope you took a lot from that, there was so much good information in there um, along way, a wee bit of banter that at the end, it was great just chatting to Drew because I spoke to him all day, um, just a, a really fascinating guy, really, really exciting person to talk to
1: Just finally before we go, do something together that would be impossible alone
0: I want to leave you with that tonight We love that one Anyway, we'll be back next week at the same time with another episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. Take care.